What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. My name is Emily, and I am Tyler Crowley's recently acquired used Sentra. And I am Paige, and I am Tyler Crowley's dented, totaled van. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Okay, guys, before we start, we just want to put kind of like a a corrections kind of a thing. Um, we just wanted to apologize to the fishing community. We kind of did kind of did insult you a lot there, um, kind of dragged you through the mud. Just wanted to apologize, you know, fishing can be fun, totally, and we are really sorry for insulting you. Yeah, yeah, agreed, Paige. Um, I personally have never had fun fishing, but that's not to say that you can't, so uh, you know what? We are all about enjoying the things that you enjoy, so if you like fishing, sorry about that. We support you. On a more serious note, Paige and I kind of wanted to make a statement at the top of this um, episode, just kind of talking about the inherent kind of social issues that surround this story and especially have been um, discussed since the Twilight Renaissance has kind of come around and the fans are older and more able to understand the issues with the text. Um, We kind of hinted at it in our introduction episode where we said that if you don't want a podcast that pretends there's no issues with Twilight. This is not the podcast for you. But we just wanted to reinforce that. Um, Obviously, coming up in the story, there's going to be, those of you who have read it know, there's going to be a lot of racism issues. There's going to be misogyny issues. And we just wanted to make it clear that we are not going to ignore those. Um, To me, and I, I think you agree with this, Paige, Um, Being a reader and being a fan of something means holding it to a high standard. And when it doesn't meet that, you have to, you know, be honest about that and discuss it. And um, you can't just sweep it under the rug. And that's really important to us. Um, It just becomes a question of how can we do that um, with Paige? Because she doesn't obviously have the full picture yet, having never read these books before. I don't want it spoiled, but I still want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So we just wanted you guys to know that that's definitely the plan, and we'll discuss things as they come up. Um, We're not going to shy away from it. Um, For example, today we're going to talk about gaslighting. (laughs) But yeah, so we just wanted to make sure that you guys knew that that was something that is definitely on the agenda and will um, be discussed by us as we go along. And kind of while I'm on the subject, we wanted to talk about a really important organization. If you are active in the Twilight fandom, Lately, you have probably heard of them, but in case you haven't, it's called Quileute Move to Higher Ground. And so, Paige, I don't even know if you know this, but the indigenous tribe that is um, included in Twilight is called the Quileute Tribe, and they're based in the Pacific Northwest. And um, so they kind of play a a prominent role in the books, um, but obviously weren't making money off of it. Um, and their situation right now is actually really scary. So they are right on the coast. And so they are really in danger of being like essentially wiped out by a bad climate event. So if you look on their website, um, an earthquake could wipe out their entire tribe in 10 minutes. And some of their land is only 15 feet above sea level. And by the way, this is land that they had to fight to get, and only in 2012, so only eight years ago, did Obama sign a land grant, giving them their rightful land that they have been living on for centuries. And so they finally have that land, which is good, but it's really endangered from climate change and global warming. 
And their first priority, this organization moved to higher ground, their first priority is to move their tribal school because it is one of the buildings that is only 15 feet above sea level. And it's the only one in the world that teaches their culture and their tradition traditions. So um, that's kind of their first thing that they're raising money for. So we want to encourage you guys to donate if you have room in your budget. We made a donation on behalf of the podcast. Um, whatever you can give really helps. It's super simple process. It's like PayPal, you know, super easy. Um, but the website to learn more about them and to donate is mthg.org. So move to higherground.org. And again, they are called Quill You Move to Higher Ground, just a really important organization and someone that we want to make sure we support. That was really well said, and I'm really glad that we're bringing that to light because that was actually something that I've been thinking about a lot and wanting to research as it comes up because I was sure that there was going to be something about how the Indigenous tribe was represented, but, I mean, I have no idea. So it was just something on my mind, so it's I'm glad that you're bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we're talking about it, too. It's really important to talk about. And um, we'll put that link in the episode description, too, and so that you guys can have ease of access to it. But yeah, mthg.org. Okay, so this week we read chapters three and four. So Paige, what were your impressions on these chapters? Oh, man. I'm like LOLing, but also furious. But also, I've been waiting for this car scene. I forgot to mention in the early episodes about things I remember. That car scene is, like, ingrained in my memory because I feel like it was so advertised when the movie came out that, and it's just so unnatural, that I just, like, cannot get it out of my mind. So I'm glad that we finally um, got to it. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, too, because I remember at the end of last episode, you had actually predicted this, because I was like, what do you think is going to happen next? And you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that car scene, and you were right. What if I actually knew everything about the books, and I've actually been a huge Twilight fan this whole time, and you didn't even know? If that was the truth, this is our last episode, so <laughs> see you never. Listening, guys. Um, we really appreciated all, what was it, 30 of you that streamed? Really, shout out to everyone. We're up to like 45 now, so I'm pretty pumped. Thank you guys so much. We truly appreciate hearing that you guys are listening. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, on a serious note, like, we've gotten some feedback already that has been so nice, and we really appreciate it, both from people that we already knew and people that we didn't. So you seriously are making our lives, me and Paige, just like internally silent scream every time we see these things. Sometimes I externally silent scream. Yeah. Yeah, I don't because I live with other people, but I would if I could. That's fair. (laughs) So going back to what happened in these chapters, where do we even start? Okay, so Bella wakes up and she realized that overnight it snowed and she's like, basically, fuck my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sis, I need you to relax. (laughs) Like, she is so stressed. And I guess if you never, like, dealt with snow, it makes sense, so I can't really talk. But she's, like... Point where you're, like, same old shit as always. Yeah, literally. Especially when you live in Minnesota for four years. Just saying. I can't imagine. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. I mean, I chose to do it, so I'm not complaining. But I just thought it was interesting that she's, like, well, now my life is ruined. (laughs) And then, so... After it's, I mean, the snowing is very important. So for those of you following along for the first time, 
just put a pin in that. Put in the pin in that snowy scenario, okay? Yeah, put a pin in it for approximately seven seconds, because the next thing I was going to say was that she drives to school, she's all nervous. Well, first she's, like, talking about how this whole paragraph is just, like, angsty teenager. Okay, I'm going to read it. We're on page 54. I should be avoiding him, obviously Edward, entirely after my brainless and embarrassing babbling yesterday, and I was suspicious of him. Why should he lie about his eyes? I was still frightened of the hostility I sometimes felt emanating from him, and I was still tongue-tied whenever I pictured his perfect face. I was well aware that my league and his league were spheres that did not touch, so I shouldn't be at all anxious to see him today. So she's kind of just, like, stressing over the whole situation, understandably. And then she drives to school, um, and when she gets to school, she realizes that Charlie put snow tires on her truck, which is really nice because he probably had to get up early to do it. Very dad thing to do. That's what I noted. I, I That warmed my heart. Yeah, it is. My dad, like, has done things like this. And so then um, I made a note at the top of page 25, or sorry, page 55. She's kind of wondering, like, why all these guys are, like, acting so crazy around her. And at this point, it's only Mike and Eric. Obviously, Tyler gets added shortly after this little incident coming up. Mind struggling mind-boggling is right um but she's basically saying like I wonder why people back at my old school didn't think of me that way and, and she's basically saying like maybe it's because they saw me through all the awkward phases of adolescence and still thought of me that way and I just wrote ain't that the truth because <laughs> the way that Paige and I went to school we had gone to school with the same people for forever they saw us at our worst and our mediocre <laughs> so honestly I don't blame them for not wanting to date me yeah that is very true and at times some things didn't even get that much better sometimes it was just at the worst you know the whole way through yeah I think that's definitely true for me I peaked like definitely in college I was struggling in high school I definitely similar but opposite I definitely peaked in elementary school and I've <laughs> That's still something I'm dealing with to this day. We could talk about it in therapy later. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, um, obviously, what this all is leading up to is the infamous car crash scene. And, Paige, you kind of alluded to this. I can't remember. I think it was last episode, or maybe it was um, when we were not recording and just chatting, but... Um, the physics of this has always confused the ever-living fuck out of me. You know that Zach Galifianakis gif where he's, like, doing all the math and it's, like, appearing in front of his face? That's me. Every time I read this, I'm like, what? I don't speak physics. I don't speak car. What is going on? I'm not going to lie to you. So, going in, like I said, I, I knew that the movie motion didn't make any sense to me. Did not look natural. And I was like, well, finally, like, I'm going to read what happens and it's going to be clarified. And very similar to you, it was like reading Portuguese. I did not understand it. So I was hoping that you were going to explain it to me. Like, I was hoping we were going to be like, so, yeah, that happened. And you would just, like, launch into it and it would be clarified in my head. But I have no idea. 
Your hopes were futile, Paige, I'm sorry to say. The thing about the movie is it also doesn't make sense in the movie, but at least it's only the one. Like, he just stops it with his hand, and then it's like, now we're all done. This literally has to do things three different times. I'm like, when will this end? And also, when will it become clear what the fuck is going on? And the funniest part about this is I've read this now in two different perspectives, because obviously it also happens in Midnight Sun, and it doesn't make sense there either. (laughs) I feel like... That, just like what is the least scientific thing that could happen? Well, she nailed it because I have no explanation whatsoever. So one thing that I thought was kind of funny um, is on the top of page 56, it's when she's realizing everything is happening at once, that the car is coming at her and she's kind of just standing there. But the first thing she decides to talk about is the fact just where Edward is, like, that is not the most important thing about what's happening right now. I think that you should have a little more urgency about the car. Like, it's important that Edward's there, don't get me wrong. But maybe avoid the threat to your life. It's interesting that you bring that up, because I was actually going to ask you about this. First of all, I want to say she does make fun of herself later on for this. That she's like, it's weird that no one, like, noticed that Edward suddenly appeared at my side. And then she's like, well, maybe because not everyone else is obsessed with him, Bella. And I feel kind of bad for her in that moment. But I was going to ask you about this because I interpreted this as her realizing, and she even says at the bottom of page 55, I was able to absorb in clear detail several things at once. And you're right, it is weird that, like, the first one that she mentions is Edward. But has this ever happened to you where you almost have like super sensory overload and like it's not that everything's slow motion but you're like literally seeing everything in technicolor whether it's good or bad like has that ever happened to you I don't think so honestly it's happened to me and it was crazy um the first one was when in my first college soccer game so the school that I went to they hadn't won a game in like like at all in a few years and in our first game, we ended up going to overtime. And in soccer, in overtime, the first team that scores, like, the game's over. Yeah. And so I ended up scoring, which is a really cool moment in my life. But this happened to me because everyone lost their motherfucking minds and ended up tackling me because they were all so excited. But I was like, everyone was coming at me. There was a lot of color. And I remember I couldn't breathe. And I was like, you guys, I can't breathe. <laughs> And then the other time that this happened to me, I also, it was also a car crash. Um, I totaled my car in Minnesota because snow. And it's it's crazy how you're like, well, this is happening. And then you're like, oh yeah, that tree's kind of pretty. But you're also like spinning out on the highway. And it's just like, it's all happening at once. It's interesting. I don't know. That's only happened to me those two times, but it's crazy. My, similar, but a little different. My old roommate, Iskra, she had a really bad car accident where they basically, like, rolled off the road. And she said that it was happening. But then the thing that she noticed was that she saw her Snapple bottle go just, like, by her face out the window. She's just like, hmm, there goes my Snapple bottle. So, So kind of a similar thing. Like, things, serious things are happening, but you focus on weird things like that. Yeah, I think it's almost, I'm sure there's science behind this, don't care to look it up, hate science, but I'm sure it's like a chemical of the brain where it's just like processing everything in like a panic mode almost, or not even a panic mode, if it's like a happy memory, but you know, just like having to take in all these details at once, like over processing. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Okay, so basically all this stuff that is not possible by the laws of physics happens. Um, Edward ends up saving her three times by my count. Okay, so the van is coming at her on the ice because she's standing on the back corner of her truck. And he pushes her out of the way, we're assuming, right? Because her head cracks against the blacktop. And then she says it had curled gratingly, it being the van, had curled gratingly around the end of the truck and still spinning and sliding was about to collide with me again. And so then Edward stops it with his hands. And then the third one, I think, is when he moves her legs from where it's going to land. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I mean, I'm saying it makes sense. <laughs> but the, the way you're saying it, it makes sense. Well, I'm glad I could boil it down for you. I still don't understand it, but... I'm I'm thinking that Stephanie might just be stretching the, uh, the old laws of physics there a little bit. Um, I don't... I can't really explain the physics. I don't know. I did take physics in high school, but I cheated on both my midterm and my finals. So, Same. I don't... <laughs> I sat just the way that they were sitting us I could I don't want to name names because this person now has a good job at like all this and that but I sat behind him and I could see all of his answers and I was like well he's smart so I'm just gonna go with this and that is so bad I know but here's the thing I am not good at physics so you know it had to be done I know it didn't have to be done but it was done. Sorry, guys. I Going to college and seeing how many people fucking cheat is insane. Also, my sister, apparently there's so much cheating, it is insane. Yeah, I'll believe it. It's crazy, though. Yeah. So, basically, there is the stereotyp- stereotypical moment of silence, and then shit hits the fan, everyone's freaking out. And Edward is basically just wanting to make sure that Bella is all right. Um, But right away, right away, he is trying to convince her that he was standing right next to her, which we all know is not true because she says just a page before that he was standing four cars down from me. So this is the beginning of the Edward Cullen gaslighting fest, but we'll get into it a little bit later. I... Emily and I were chatting earlier this week. We don't talk about what we've read, but I just had to I just had to point it out. I said I don't want to get into it, but Stephanie Myers may as well should have named this chapter Edward Ga- King of Gaslighting Cullen because the shit is unreal. It truly is. But that's a conversation for about 10 minutes from now, give or take a few. Um, so basically everyone's just trying to get to them to make sure that they are all right. I mean, I don't blame them. If I saw this happen, I'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. So Bella basically tries to argue with him from the get-go and say, you were over there, you were by your car. And he says, no, I wasn't. And she says, I saw you. And he says, Bella, I was standing with you and I pulled you out of the way. He unleashed the full devastating power of his eyes on me as if trying to communicate something crucial. Why do you think that he's so adamant about wanting to get his version across? I think that my my theory is that if Bella just admits to herself that 
oh, there's a reasonable explanation. He can protect her from himself, I guess, the lifestyle that he's in. Because we all know from reading freaking Tuck Everlasting that relationships with an immortal person just don't work out. And he's trying to keep her from that. For the second episode in a row, you have made my soul absolutely exit my body. I have not thought about Tuck Everlasting since the fifth grade. That was hilarious. I It took everything I had to not lose it and totally interrupt what you were saying. That's so funny. Oh, that is so funny. I'm pretty sure we read that in Miss Wobbly's class. I'm pretty sure we did. And I'm pretty sure it was terrible. But I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> it builds character. Yep. Okay, so um, they load Bella and Tyler onto um, stretchers and put a neck brace on her, which is awful. I'd be so mad. Yeah, I I am feeling so bad for Bella. I This would have been me if that had happened. Like, I'm already embarrassed enough that this is happening. Please do not make it worse. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Like, more attention equals more embarrassment. Just mm-hmm. make it stop. Yeah. And then Charlie shows up and is understandably freaking out. Um, Bella's trying to calm him down, but she notices, this is on page 59, when they lifted me away from the car, I had seen the deep dent in the tan car's bumper, a very distinct dent that fit the contours of Edward's shoulders, as if he had braced himself against the car with enough force to damage the metal frame. And then she notes that his family is not looking concerned at all. They just look pissed um which is interesting um and then basically the next paragraph is she thinks that she might be insane but i like that she kind of stands her ground because even like as early as the next page as they're kind of taking her into the emergency room or maybe this isn't on the next page but it's pretty soon after this where she's like i know i'm not crazy and i appreciate that because she's standing by her ground i thought that this because i remember from the last episode that you didn't think that Bella was a victim a lot of the time. Like, I remember that you wanted, you didn't want to describe her that way. And I feel like this chapter was a really great example of her own agency. She is just so loud and she knows what she saw. And she's, even though Edward is so hot, like on page 58, she says, I was right and he was going to admit it. Like, I love that she has, she has the veracity to want him to understand that he's wrong and she's right and I love that yes 100% agree I'm like hell yes girl um so she gets to the ER Tyler's there um and he just is apologizing profusely and won't get over it and she's getting real irritated and then Edward shows up and Tyler tries apologizing to him and he says, no blood, no foul. And I'm like, if a high schooler said that to me, I'd be like, what? Are you my dad? What is going on? Just some of the stuff he says, I'm like, you are clearly, like, you're not doing good at the whole, like, teenage slang thing. Yeah, it's not believable. Because there was also something that he said in the first chapter I think it's when he's trying to switch out of his biology class like just the language that he uses just seems not like a child yeah yeah definitely 
Um, I wanted to make note of the bottom of page 61, and I think I'm a little bit biased about this because it's very, very well done in the movie. This is, like, probably my favorite shot of the movie. But just the setup of Edward saying, it's all about who you know, but don't worry, I came to spring you. Then a doctor walked around the corner, and my mouth fell open. He was young, he was blonde, and he was handsomer than any movie star I'd ever seen. It's like they are movie stars. He does the line perfectly, and then the doctor walks around the corner, and he's hot. It's like, Jesus Christ, you guys need to tone it down. What is going on? I That is that is really funny, and it reminds me of when I would, you know, write my own, like, fanfic or, like, a story that I was really passionate about. I would almost write it imagining it becoming a movie like like oh how is how would this play out like visually I need it to look good you know that that's what that reminds me of we're very close I just wanted to point out um I kind of this kind of rubbed me the wrong way it's in the middle the middle of 61 when Edward kind of first starts talking to Tyler it says no blood no foul he said flashing his brilliant teeth he moved to sit on the edge of Tyler's bed facing me he smirked again this kid is literally in the emergency room right now with goddamn glass in his arm and you are just like let me just have a seat right here so I can chat with this boo thing like maybe don't sit in the literal worst injured person in the whole accident's hospital bed. That's just so bizarre. And also Tyler is just sitting there through this whole conversation is also very awkward to imagine. I'm so glad you made note of that because when I read it, I was like, should I? And then I was like, nah, it's too minor. Keep it moving. It is not minor. If someone, if I was in the hospital for something like that and someone just came and sat in my bed who... I didn't really know that well, I would be pissed. Yeah, agreed. And it's like, if you guys are going to flirt, could you maybe leave me out of it? <laughs> I'm picturing Tyler, like, whipping that curtain around that they have in hospital beds for privacy. Like, you guys need to do this on your own. I'm out of here. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm so glad you pointed that out because it is hell awkward. And I hadn't even contemplated the fact that, like, he's here this whole time. But you're right. He hasn't gone anywhere. (laughs) So Dr. Cullen starts um, examining Bella. And um, it seems like she's fine. Like the x-rays didn't have anything. Um, And Edward's just kind of laughing patronizingly. I don't know if he laughs, but he at least is like smirking. Yeah. Um, But Dr. Cullen is basically like, well, you can go home I don't think you should go back to school but you can go home and Bella's like does he get to go back to school (laughs) and I'm like okay if this obviously like her relationship with Charlie is different but I'm like if this happened to me my parents would take me to Dairy Queen and then I could go home and sleep and it'd be lit like why do you want to go back to school I just I just don't think that she wants Edward to win like not that I just I just don't think that she wants to look embarrassed or like in a worse spot than him like this is the point where she's getting a little sick of him gaslighting her and she's like well we were both in a car accident so either we both stay home or we both go to school like I think that that's a fair thing to say especially given the fact that she's fine like physically you know but I think that this is just her wanting to not look a step down from Edward I guess Yeah, that's a really good point. I guess I wasn't thinking about it through that lens. I was just like, day off from school? Count me in. Yeah, that's 
let's be honest, if I had the chance to stay home from school, I would, for sure. Yes, definitely. But yeah, I think you're totally right. And it's crazy how, like, much you're picking up on her personality and her motives already. So props to you. I feel like I'm just geared to really critically analyze this. Like, if I was reading this as a kid for fun, you know, I would be getting what I wanted to get out of it, you know? I feel like I'm just trying to be more critical of it, so that might be why. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I am kind of doing that same thing this time around, so totally understandable. So, um, they're kind of just going back and forth, and she's saying he's fine, Dr. Cullen is like, take some medicine, blah, blah, blah. And I really wanted to point out, middle of page 63, um, Bella's like, ooh, I'm going to spring this on the doctor and see what reaction I get out of him. So she says, Lucky Edwards happened to be standing next to me. I amended with a hard glance on the subject of my statement, at the subject of my statement. And the next paragraph is, oh, well, yes, Dr. Cullen agreed, suddenly occupied with the papers in front of him. Then he looked away at Tyler and walked to the next bed. My intuition flickered. The doctor was in on it. And I think this is significant because it's the first time that Bella even if it's, I mean, obviously it's not subconscious because she literally said the doctor's in on it. But in my opinion, she is kind of subconsciously being like, what's up with this whole family? Something's going on with this whole family. And I think it's the first time maybe, I mean, obviously when she first sees them come into the cafeteria, she sees that they're like otherworldly beautiful. Mm -hmm. But this is the first time in my opinion that she's kind of like, oh, there's more going on here. Yeah. And we know from living in real life that, like, things like that, when you feel weird like that, a lot of times there's some truth to them. So if you're ever in a hospital and you think that your crush and your crush's dad are supernatural beings, you're probably fucking right. And if that has happened to you, please write in. I'm dying to hear all about it. We would love to hear that as well as your fishing stories. Please send those in. Yes, definitely. So finally she's like, she basically forces Edward to come out and talk to her because back when the accident happens, she got him to agree that he owes her an explanation. Yeah. So this is Gaslight City. We've been talking about it and here we are. Um, so he basically is just, first of all, his whole energy is angry. And it's like, why are you mad when... I have nothing to, like, I didn't ask for this. I yeah. am just telling the truth. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that is weird. And he's like, what do you think happened? You know, like, it's so ghastly. Ugh, what do you think? I literally wrote the note for this little section. Page 64, Gaslight City. Like, I get it, but rude. Not that I get gaslighting. Like, I know that he's trying to keep her, like, just not interested in what happened. So it doesn't have to come to light. And there's a lot more at stake than what Bella thinks right now. But also, you don't have to be a dick. You don't. This is on you, boo. You are the one who put yourself in the situation where now she's asking questions. So... That's the problem that I have. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm really glad you said that because I, I do want to say, like, he does have good motives um, to go off your theory. I obviously can't say because I know. But to go off your theory, he's, like, trying to protect her from what he is, from his reality. 
And that is a good motive. I'm not going to sit here and argue with that because it is. But good motives don't mean that gaslighting is okay. And it's like you said, he, it's bad to say, but like he could have just let her die, which is horrible, but he chose not to. So now he does owe her an explanation because she saw it happen. Even though he's like, I saved your life. I don't owe you anything. I'm like, that that statement makes me so mad. I, um, I don't know, like, because I haven't read it. But I can imagine, I mean, I know that all of his brothers and sisters are also vampires. I know that. Like, I know that the doctor is a vampire. They're all immortal. They've all probably had to deal with things tugging at their heartstrings or, like, things that they want to shed more light on. But I know that there's some level of, like, familial love with them, like, and also a supernatural element that you kind of have to keep away from the public. So it's, like, what what is more at stake like one person or a whole family like a whole culture of people I guess if that makes sense so I could see wanting to keep the sanctity of that if you're being pulled one way or the other I guess I don't really understand what you're saying are you saying that he should have not saved Bella to protect his family is that what you're saying I'm just saying if he's making such a big deal about now he's upset that she's alive and asking questions, then why, like, then just let her die. Like, I know that that's a bummer and I'm sorry, but like, you can't, you can't save someone's life and then be a dick to them because now they're like, how? Like you chose to put yourself into the situation and you knew what was going to happen. So you have to deal with that. Like, this is, this is the bed you made. So now you have to lie in it. And the way that you're going about it is completely incorrect like you're just making this even worse for Bella who literally almost just died and is now processing all of this crazy information and how her brain's probably thinking so many different things and like she's like am I crazy like how would a normal non-supernatural brain process information like that so all in all the point I'm trying to make is that he chose to do this so he needs to deal with what he's chosen 100% agree And we are being kind of hard on Edward here, which I think he deserves fully, 100%. But I do want to point out that he does have that moment where she kind of brings this up, what you and I have been talking about. She says, why did you even bother? And she doesn't say it, but it's like, why did you even bother saving my life? Yeah. And it says, he paused, and for a brief moment, his stunning face was unexpectedly vulnerable. I don't know, he whispered. And then he turned his back on me and walked away. So you can tell he is grappling with some shit. I know I say it 500 times an episode, but I cannot wait until you read Midnight Sun because it's just like grappling, grappling, inner monologue of an e-boy, grappling. It's just so much. And again, not excusing any of this behavior because I think Paige and I have made it very clear that we are angry about it and not down with it. But it is important to kind of explore both sides and know that he probably does have a motive for this, as shitty as it is. And it doesn't make it okay. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and see, like, either I let someone die to save a bunch of people or I jeopardize the well-being of those closest to me to save one person. Like, what would I even do in that situation, you know? Like, it's hard to be critical about someone who like 
is a loser either way, I guess. Yeah, he's definitely between a rock and a hard place with this situation. So, yeah, yeah we definitely need to recognize the gravity of that for sure. And obviously we're glad that he saved her because this book would be really short without yeah, it. imagine reading that book. Yes, 64 pages of a book. Ooh. It's been fun, y'all. <laughs> so anyways, all of that is to say that Bella doesn't really get the explanation that she's looking for. Yeah, very true. Um, but after all of this, she gets to leave. Um, she runs into all of her high school friends, quote unquote, the real people. Um, and, you know, she's telling them, I'm okay, I'm okay. And then, you know, they get to leave. Yeah, yeah, that's good until she finds out that Charlie told her mom what happened, which I'm like, of course, did you think, did you think he was just like, not going to call your mom? Just be like, hey, our daughter was in an almost deadly accident two months ago. Forgot to tell you about it. That would be crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Especially this mother who just seems like this would be information that she'd want to know. Yes. And she handles it as we are seeing that she handles pretty much everything childishly. <laughs> that was rude, but I don't take it back. Um, Bella has to calm her down, even though, in my opinion, it should be the other way around, because Bella's the one who almost died. Her mom should be calming her down, but nobody asked me, so. Extremely selfish behavior, but, you know, me sipping my tea being Kermit the Frog, that's none of my business. Precisely. So, um, basically, that's the end of the third chapter, um, the end of it basically is Bella saying, I guess I'll go to bed. And very dramatically, the last sentence of the third chapter is, that was the first night I dreamed of Edward Cullen. So did you have any other notes from this chapter that we didn't cover? Um, I do, and it's very, very broad. And I actually meant to cover it at the very beginning, like chapter one, and I just never, I just forgot. Um, but I think that it's important to mention, um, because I think that it's affecting my reading a lot. What are your thoughts for the point of view that's used? Do you like first person? Do you not like it? What are your thoughts on it? I am a huge fan of first person at all times. Um, I know it kind of makes for an unreliable narrator in every situation, not just this book, because um, it's a limited perspective. But I just, when I read a book, I want to connect with the person, the main character. And... I think you still connect, like, if you look at, like, a Harry Potter, you still connect with them, and you still kind of get some of their inner thoughts, but I almost wish that books like that were in first person, so I could really be in their head. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I just, I really like first person, to answer your question. What do you think? I was thinking the exact same thing. I thought that that probably helped with the book's success, because, you know, if I had read this book in middle or high school. And I'm, I've already said it, that I've seen myself a lot in Bella. Being able to read it as I is just, I can see getting sucked into it. That's like, I think that if it wasn't third person, like it, that makes me think of Hunger Games. Like Hunger Games was good. It was in third person. Um, and was like- it? I thought it was in first. Was it? Now I'm having an existential crisis. 
I don't remember. I thought it was in third person, but maybe I might be wrong. I think but it's like Harry Potter. Yeah, Harry Potter. Said, uh, that's third person. Um, but I can I I just think that that could easily be a key contributing factor. Like I'm finding it so easy to see myself as Bella, Bella to put myself in there and like want to be with all these sexy people. I I'm just saying I get it. Like I get it. I think the point of view, nothing but helped. Yeah, it definitely makes her more relatable for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, let's freaking move on to chapter four. Okay, so chapter four is called Invitations. And it starts off in kind of an interesting way, I thought. Um, on page 68, it spans a month. Like, we basically time jump forward a month. Um mm-hmm. In my brain, it's almost like a montage, because it's not like it was a month later, but what she is describing briefly covers a month. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, it made sense to me if, I, I'm not to get, jump right into it, but it's a great way to show how steadfast Edward is with not talking to her like if this if it was just a few days of him not talking to her like she went a whole week and he wasn't there but like knowing that it was a month of just radio silence just shows that this was a big deal what happened yeah definitely and kind of it shows how steadfast Bella is too so one question that I was going to ask you is um On page 69, she says, No one seemed concerned about Edward, though I explained over and over that he was a hero, how he had pulled me out of the way and had nearly been crushed, too. I try to be convincing. And then she comments that her friends and everybody else always commented that they hadn't even seen him there until the van was pulled away. My question for you is, if you're Bella, are you lying for him? I I really thought about it, like, genuinely tried to put myself in her shoes, and I don't know if I would. Like, I really might be like, I swear to God, he was far away. I don't know how he got over to me so fast. Yeah, I think that if if he was going to treat me like the way that he did in the hospital and how he's now treating her at school, I don't think that I would. Um, I did think that that was a little odd. that Because I'm trying to think of why else would she do that, you know? Yeah, I feel like it's almost trying to... I feel like it's Stephanie almost trying to establish that she's very loyal even when she doesn't have like the full picture of why she is supposed to be loyal yeah it could also be her maybe trying to remove herself from that situation as well because if people just accept it as normal then it basically never happened and they can move past it um like having people even question it just keeps bringing up how crazy that was and there's still no explanation for it so maybe lying is just a way to make it go away too Yeah, that's a really good point, too. Um, And this is the part that I had mentioned earlier where she's like, I guess no one else is as aware of him. Like, no one noticed where he was standing. And she kind of, like, makes fun of herself. But I'm like, again, I've said it earlier, and I'm like, don't make fun of yourself. That was just your brain processing everything at once. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny, too, that she's like, he never has anybody asking him what happened. Like, everyone just avoids him. And it's, it's really interesting to me that, like, Bella is so drawn to the Colons, Edward specifically, obviously, but that everyone else kind of seems to be standoffish from them, just doesn't want to be involved with them. Do you have a theory on why you think that is? I remember that Jessica had mentioned something earlier that, like, there seemed to be some kind of past 
rejection or something. So maybe just people are unable to connect with them. And so there's no reason to talk to them at all. Like if so many people have negative interactions with the Cullens, then it's a small school. People are going to know the Cullens aren't someone you want to talk to. They're not nice. They this and that for their own reasons, however they might be acting. I don't know anything about them yet, obviously. I don't know. But I think that it might just be small school word gets around that a few people had bad interactions and then everyone just assumed that they weren't good people to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, I like that theory. It's kind of sad. makes me a little bit sad. Yeah. We'll see if there's anything else behind it. Um, can neither confirm nor deny once again. <laughs> Suspicious. So Bella notes that every day in class, he just sits as far as possible from her and occasionally like flex his fists, which is terrifying. I hate when men do that. I get so scared. Yeah, I can't dis I can't disagree. Wait, no, I can't agree with you more. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, she actually tries like the day after the accident. She tries to like engage him in conversation and tries to be pleasant um, to show him I was going to behave myself. Is her exact line. Um, and he just nods at her and looks away. And that's when she's like, "All right, I guess this is the vibe. I'm not gonna engage again." So they they really don't talk to each other at all, but she keeps dreaming about him. And her mom thinks that she's depressed, um, and she just is kind of, like, telling her it's the weather. Meanwhile, um, the girls' choice spring dance is coming up, so all mayhem breaks loose with this. Um, because Jessica clearly has a crush on Mike, who we all know has a crush on Bella. So she wants permission to ask him, and Bella's like, yeah, 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 of course, yeah, 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 of course. And doesn't go well, because the next day, Mike comes up to her in biology and says, I told her I had to think about it. And I just want to say, it absolutely ends me every single time that this is what makes Edward be like, Okay, now I'm listening. <laughs> so, yeah, he's basically, like, eavesdropping on this conversation. Um, and Bella is just, like, she is horrified that Mike is like, well, I thought you were going to ask me. And he's, like, obviously wanting her to give him an out to tell Jessica no and to ask him, and she's not going to do it. I, this is so embarrassing. This, I have, like, secondhand embarrassment for Mike. Like, I'm sorry, I get having a crush. I've had a million of them. But I cannot possibly imagine walking up to one of the, I don't know, 80 boys that I had crushes on in high school and being like, um, so I have, um, someone wants to ask me to the dance, but I just wanted to see if you were going to ask me before I tell them yes or no like asking myself to the dance through them if that makes any sense like I could never imagine myself doing that that is so embarrassing yeah it's a lot I mean you gotta give him credit for the cojones it took but it's also a little foolish and um it's also hilarious to me that he's like did you already ask someone and he looks at Edward <laughs> and Edward's like I've been sitting here the whole time like <laughs> 
I came for you. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say that, but that's my interpretation of his internal monologue. Mm-hmm. So Bella invents an excuse out of thin air. She says that she's going to be in Seattle. And then she kind of eventually has to be like, no, like, no, you are being rude to Jessica and I'm not going to go with you. And she turns to look at Edward and he's legit staring at her. Like, imagine this all happens to you already. If this happens to me, I'm like, fuck. like, especially if it's your friend and you know, you kind of get the vibe that she's crushing on him. I'm already like, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm worried she's going to be mad at me. And then I turn and McDreamy is just staring at me after ignoring me for however long. I'd be like, I got to go home. It's been, it's been fun and all, but I'm going to go home and I'll see y'all tomorrow. Like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, tell the teacher I threw up, and then I'm going home. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> totally did that once, but I actually did throw up. So I was like, I literally came back. It was Mr. Dillon. I came back in the room and I was like, in front of the whole class. This was like junior or senior year. So at that point, I, I didn't give a fuck. But I was like, hey, Mr. Dillon. He's like in the middle of teaching. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I. I just threw up and he's like okay and I was like I'm gonna go home he's like okay <laughs> I just grabbed my backpack and left no one cares about that story but you're welcome I love that you know that's you having a, the authority to tell Mr. Dylan I don't give a crap about this class I got more important things to take care of yeah looking back at it I'm like I wonder if he thinks I was lying but I actually did throw up Stuff. Mr. Dillon, if you're listening, just know that Emily told the truth. I hope he's not listening. That'd be kind of creepy. Really hope not. Jeez Louise. <laughs> Jeez Louise is right. <clears throat> so they're kind of just staring at each other, having a moment, like mm-hmm. me and Paige are doing right now. We're staring at each other in the Skype. My eyes are watering, so I had to blink. Um, I lost that staring contest. But then, of course, Mr. Banner, the teacher, has to cock block and mm-hmm. be like, Mr. Cullen, uh, wanting to answer. It's like, I just made fun of him, but as a teacher, if I see this shit going on, I'm like, yeah, I'm breaking this up right now. <laughs> I, this is completely irrelevant, but I did make a note of it just because I just learned about this. And so at the bottom of 73, Edward mm-hmm. goes, the Krebs cycle. Edward answered, seeming reluctant as he turned to look at Mr. Banner. I'm sorry, but you're learning the Krebs cycle right now in fucking high school? That shit is so hard. I... I think that Stephanie needs to do a little more research. I do not know if the Krebs cycle is high school level. It is really hard. I have never even heard of the Krebs cycle outside of Twilight, to, <laughs> published 2005. So, I yeah, it probably is too hard. I mean, I didn't really get it that much into science in high school, as I've made abundantly clear probably an annoying amount of times now. But yeah, never heard of it. It's really complex. There's like a million steps and a bunch of chemical names, and it's just, it just doesn't seem like I would be learning that in Mrs. Hanshu's class. Yikes, yeah. Maybe it's just supposed to demonstrate that Edward's, like, super smart, but then, like, why would he, why would the teacher even be talking about it in the first place? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I was gonna ask you, what page was I referencing on this? I don't remember exactly where it says, but I wanted to revisit your eye theory. Um, oh, I think it had said, like, a while back that she just saw his eyes getting darker day by day. Do you remember this, what I'm talking about? I 
I think I do. I feel like it was earlier, though. Like, when she was describing her time. Um, like yeah. The- it, it doesn't matter, but um, basically she says she's they're, they're getting darker day by day. And you had said in the last episode that your theory was almost like, I think you referenced, oh my gosh, every time I say the word, did you guys hear that? Every time I say the word theory, I guess I don't enunciate well because my phone thinks I'm saying Siri. I got to turn that thing off. Sorry. But um, your theory had to do with the, um, like the shark and finding Nemo that like whenever he's thirstier, his eyes are darker. Is that what you're saying? Or whenever he's like in her presence? When, so in the movie, you know, Bruce and his shark friends are vegetarians. Like they're not about eating fish. But then the goggles hit is his name Martin Marvin in the face and it causes or Dory in the face and then it causes her to have a bloody nose and then Bruce smells the blood and you can tell his eyes have like soul to them and when he smells the blood they just turn straight black and he like goes into predator mode because just the smell of blood caused it um so that's that was my theory was that like I know she's smelling real good and he's like trying like he's smelling her and feeling this like animalistic thing inside of him that wants to grab that, I guess. Yes, that makes total sense. So you're still sticking by that theory. I just wanted to revisit and see if you had changed your mind at all. I'm still sticking by it. Okay, I like it. Um, So then, let's see, what happens next? Oh, they're kind of just sitting there, and there's just a lot of sexual tension. Um... But finally the class ends and he says her name and, and she, and I prepped her for this. She's like, what, are you speaking to me again? I'm like, girl, that was sassy. I probably would have been like, yeah. <laughs> I just I feel like she has nothing to lose at this point. So why not? True. But still, I really respect her for it. Yeah. Um, so they get into this kind of very tense conversation um, where he's basically saying it's better if we're not friends. And she's like, well, I guess you should have just let me die then. And he gets really mad about that. He's like, you regret, you think I regret saving your life? And she's like, I know you do. And he says, you don't know anything. And she tries to do the dramatic storm off and she trips. And I'm like, I really wanted her to pull it off. The 80th time she's tripped and dropped her things. I'm sorry. The 80th time, is that what you said? Yeah. I think that she needs to get some, she needs to tie her shoelaces. She needs to get better fitting shoes. Girl, you're tripping over everything. Watch where you're walking. Yeah, I think she's just abundantly clumsy. But you're right, it has been a lot. So he picks up her books, even though they just had this really tense conversation. And she's like, thank you. And he's like, you're welcome. Then she goes to the, to gym, and once again, she reminds us that she hates sports ball. Um, she can't focus, obviously. But she's, like, finally done with gym in this stressful day, and she goes to her truck, or she's trying to go to her truck and go home, and Eric is waiting there for her. And now dance proposal number two arrives, so... Um, he basically tries to do the exact same thing that Mike did, obviously without the whole Jessica element, but he's like, I was hoping that you would ask me to the dance or whatever. And he actually just asked her, he says, I was just wondering if you would go to the spring dance with me. And she has to turn him down too. 
And I know you have some feelings about all these dance proposals, Paige, so I'm just going to let you go ahead. I just... The only times that I ever got asked to dances were from Tommy. And joke, which was a joke. At all of you people from high school, I know it was a joke, and I, I'm still bitter about it. Um, so I, I wrote... Does Stephanie Myers know what it's like to be the weird kid at high school? Because I don't think that she does. I just, this was so unbelievable for me. This, this book series is about vampires. And this part was the most unbelievable for me. (laughs) I, I am pretty irate. I'm not going to lie. And also the fact that it's the girl's choice and all three of them asked her themselves, like, can you let, Maybe the girls just have a choice, please. You know, this is the one time that they get to ask people to dance. Just do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, Totally off topic, but it is absolutely ending me that you keep calling Stephanie Myers. Stephanie Myers. It's (laughs) killing me every single time. I was not going to say anything and just let you do it, but I was like, nah, I gotta say something. I know that it's Meyer. But it Myers just sounds better to me. <laughs> off the tongue better. I get it. I don't blame you. I'll, I'll try to be more attentive, but I can't make any promises. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephanie Meyer. I I I know there's no S, but it just happens instinctively. No disrespect. You have an amazing name. It's just me being dumb. <laughs> That's really funny. Um. So we realized that Edward basically knows what just happened because he's like, he walks by her and he's like, it's not said, but in my opinion, it's implied that he's like trying not to laugh. I got that too. Um, and then he pulls this whole stunt where he pulls out of his parking spot in front of Bella on purpose. Um, how do you think he like knew this was going to happen? Do you think he like saw Tyler come in or, or what do you think is going on here? I kind of thought that maybe he had, like, this has something to do with him being supernatural. Like, I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with vampirism, if your height, your senses get heightened, but I just kind of felt like it had a supernatural element to it, that it wasn't like he, he just knew it was going to happen. He did because he has some kind of thing where he can, like, hear better or have a better sense, I guess. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I like that theory. Um, I'll keep that in the back of our minds. Put a pin in it. Yeah, I literally said that. I realized in listening to the first episode that I said that like 17 times. And I'm like, I have been taken over by corporate America. Next, I'm going to say that we got to circle back. And like all this other crap. I hate it. Hi, everyone. You are now listening to our new podcast. Put a pin in it. For real, I'm like I gotta stop saying it. I'm sorry, listeners. I like it. I th- I now I'm saying it. So <laughs> if we say it ironically, then it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, so um, Tyler pulls his whole stunt. He he gets out of his car. Um, again, this is one of the most irrelevant things to point out, but <laughs> I gotta. So in the middle of page seventy-seven, um. It's the paragraph where he's, she's describing him getting out of his car. And it says, his car was still running, the door left open. I leaned across the cab to crank the window down. I, <laughs> my first car was a Pontiac Sunfire 
may he rest in peace. He was a beautiful car. I totaled him in Minnesota, which I mentioned earlier. But um, that car had crank windows, and it was the most awkward thing when someone was on your passenger side because you literally, and I don't know, like, the dimensions of Bella's truck, obviously, but it's a truck, so I'm assuming it's similar. You literally had to, like, lay across the passenger seat (laughs) to crank the window down even just a little bit, and then you'd have to sit back up and be like, what? (laughs) So awkward. Like, just picturing that happening made me laugh out loud. That is really funny. As someone who, the last time I rode in a car, or, like, lived with someone who had a car like that was so long ago, so it's like, I don't even think about that anymore. Yeah, it's definitely, like, a 2005 throwback, because I feel like back then, I mean, what do I know? I was, like, 10, but um, I feel like less windows than now had like the automatic buttons or whatever so I feel like it was more common back then especially since Bella's truck was like probably built in the 1950s but that's beside the point so she shuts Tyler down she has I think this is really like gracious of her at the bottom of page 77 she says I had to remember that it wasn't his fault that Mike and Eric had already used up my quota of patience for the day I never have thoughts like this I'm like my patience is out don't care yeah I, I mean, that was really kind of her, but I'm trying to put myself in th- that situation, and I would be just sick of it. I'm trying to drink this ice water really quietly, and I can hear it rattling around. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm leaving that in. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree with you. I would be really sick of it, too. Um, I mean... I feel like some girls would maybe think that it's flattering, not saying that one reaction is better than the other. Bella clearly isn't flattered by it. Well, I think she's flattered by it, but she is more annoyed than flattered at this point. Yeah, I think I think she would be maybe a little more flattered if things weren't going so well with the guy that she really wants things to be going well with. Like, I think that she's just already in a bad mood because of freaking Edward, so like, any minor inconvenience would make me upset too. And this would be very annoying, especially given the fact that she has to like make up a lie about not wanting to go to the dance, like having to continually say that lie over and over again until it's like, well, I guess I have to fucking go to Seattle now. Like, I guess I have to do that since I've told three people that I'm doing it. I mean, I don't know if she was actually planning on doing it, but um, I can, I can just see myself being annoyed because Edward was not making it any better. Yes, definitely. I agree. So she gets home. um, She starts making dinner for Charlie and herself, obviously. And Jessica calls her. And I like this little crafty move by her that she's like hooks up the other two. She hooks up Eric and Tyler, too. Yeah. um, So that she kind of gets that all taken care of. It's really funny to me. Um, But while she's doing all this. She is basically just trying to come to, like, a conclusion with herself that she's like, Edward's not interested in me. I have to be over this. I have to leave him alone and not be obsessive. I got to move on, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it just shows that she's trying to think about things critically. And I guess, I it, I feel like it's a way for her to try and move on from what's happening. Like, as she's not being super nice to herself, I don't really like the way that she talks about herself um, and, like, Agreed. that there's no way that he could like her. But I think that if if 
if there was no supernatural element and he just didn't like her, I feel like it would be healthier for her to move on from it. So I like that she was at least trying to be as maybe sensible in where she was trying to go. I don't like the language that was used on her part towards herself, but I could see where that would be a healthy thing to be like, okay, well, I need to move on from this. If there's no, if it's not going to be good for me, then I should move on. Yeah, I agree. I also don't like the language, but I do think the overall decision is very mature on her part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether or not it works out. <laughs> we, you I mean, I, I'm pretty sure there's like four books, so my thoughts are that it might work out. Oh, that's too funny. Okay, so when Charlie gets home, she mentions the Seattle thing, and he's, like, kind of stressed about it in his dad way. Um, Mm -hmm. But then she is, like, shopping. I'm going shopping. And then he's like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) Which my dad would totally do. So funny. Yeah. I very... All these things are very dad. Stephanie Meyer, you really can do a good dad. You can you can give me a good impression of a dad. I'm getting good dad vibes here. 100%. Um, so the next day, she, um, like, basically tries to park as far away from Edward's car as possible. But lo and behold, here he is picking up her key that she drops. Um, and in the movie, they add a line that... For Bella, that is like, your mood swings are giving me whiplash, which is not in the book, I'm pretty sure. But 100%, like, his mood swings would get, like, do give me whiplash. And it's not even happening to me. I feel like, I I said this in the last chapter, I feel like each chapter is a completely different Edward. Like, the first one, he's quiet and seems to hate her. um, But in a, but she doesn't know anything about him. The second one, he seems more open Mm-hmm. But still, and like not as aggressive, like more gold in his eyes. And then the third one, he hates her again and is super mean. And now in this one, he's like all flirty. And I'm like, Edward, I can't, I can't handle it. Make up your mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, in a way, it kind of makes me feel a little bit better in that he is supposed to be a teenager, and teenagers kind of are that way. I was that way. Mm-hmm. but um, it's kind of at odds with and clashes with, you know, what we've been talking about, his old-fashioned way of talking and kind of his, like, overall demeanor of being older than everybody else. So it's an interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So um, on page 82, <laughs> um, I, I'm i kind of skipping ahead, but the line where he says, um, I'm sorry, that was rude, he said as we walked. I ignored him. I'm not saying it isn't true, he continued, but it was rude to say it anyway. Once again, I, this made me laugh out loud because this is some shit I would say. Because I always, my sister, like, she always would take me along with her every time she wanted to buy a dress for a high school dance. Because she always says that I am brutally honest and it's like my best trait. And I would say some shit like this and I'd be like, that was rude. I stand by it, but it was still rude. You know, at least he's honest, you know? At least you're both honest. Yes. Yeah. Um, We are definitely going to have an episode where we sort all the characters into Hogwarts houses, but I'm like, Edward, are you a Gryffindor? Maybe. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. Exactly. So, yeah, they're kind of um, having this back and forth conversation about 
how he deliberately set her up to be asked to the dance by Tyler. And she's like, um, so you are trying to irritate me to death since Tyler's van didn't do the job and he gets really mad about it, calls her absurd, which again is not something that high schoolers say, but whatever. Um, I guess this is kind of like similar to um, the line in the movie. I actually like the line in the movie. Your mood swings are giving me whiplash more than do have a multiple personality disorder because, I mean, obviously I'm sure Stephanie didn't have bad intentions when she had that line, but as we all know, it's not funny to joke about mental health. Um, So yeah, don't like that line, but I like how they replaced it in the movie. Good on you, Catherine Hardwick. I love you. I also think that the whiplash line is just a better line. Like, I think that it's just zingier. Agreed. Agreed. So then basically Edward asks if he can drive her to Seattle um, the day that she wants to go. (laughs) And he has to repeat himself. He says, do you want a ride to Seattle again? And she says, with who? (laughs) If I was Edward, I'd be like, bitch, the fuck do you think? Our biology teacher? What the fuck? That is, that is a, that's a good point. I, I'm just picturing him being like, like waiting for her to realize like, come on, like, I mean me. Yeah, yeah, but she doesn't. Um, and she is honestly shook as I would be too. I would obviously be really shook if, if this happened to me. Um, and they kind of have this funny banter back and forth about uh, the wasting of finite resources is everyone's business, which is very um, pertinent. Progressive. Yeah, pertinent and progressive um, for 2005. Maybe if we had all listened, and by we all, I mean corporations, because corporations cause the majority of human effects on climate change. Just it's, it's very true. Very true. I would definitely recommend looking into that, doing some research if you don't know anything about that. But I know that you all probably do. I know that you guys are smart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're preaching to the choir here. But it made me, like, I don't want to say it made me laugh, but it was an interesting line to have um, from this book that is now 15 years ago that it was published. So Mm -hmm. anyways, they're kind of arguing about that whole situation in her truck. And then he basically just unleashes his full, like, charm on her and is like, will you go with me to Seattle? Um, I guess I'll read the sen- or the paragraph before that. His eyes were gloriously intense as he uttered that last sentence, his voice smoldering. And last sentence, by the way, was, I'm tired of trying to stay away from you, Bella. I'm sorry, I'm reading this all out of order. Um, so it's, but I'm tired of trying to stay away from you, Bella. His eyes were gloriously intense as he uttered that last sentence, his voice smoldering. I couldn't remember how to breathe. Will you go with me to Seattle, he asked, still intense. And Bella is totally overwhelmed, as any of us would be, obviously. And she agrees. And the chapter ends with him saying, you really should stay away from me. I'll see you in class. Peace! I won. I'm picturing the biology desks where it's two people per desk. I mean, that's how they're sitting. That's how it's described. How am I supposed to stay away from you, bitch? I'm sitting right next to you. The desks are combined. Yeah, and we've already seen that we can't transfer out of this class, so. <laughs> I I just wanted to add to that part. I know that Edward is being really problematic with her, and she probably doesn't know how to feel. I mean, flattered, but also, like, how he was just ignoring me for a month. Like, what does this all mean? But 
if my crush asked to drive me to Seattle so we could go to a bookstore together, because that was what Bella was going to do, was go to bookstores. And that is my literal dream date. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I want to go to Seattle, and I want to go to the bookstores and go put on clothes with my crush. That see, that sounds like I would be lost for words. Like, yep, I'll go to Seattle with you. Sure. Yeah, I definitely agree. And if he was climate conscious while making the argument, another 50 points. Like, hell I'm yeah. wearing a low-cut shirt. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it's funny that you say that, though, because this is the f- literally first time this has ever occurred to me. But they never actually, like, discuss what they're going to be doing there. Like, he has no idea what they're going to be doing there. That's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. Maybe he was just excited to spend time with her. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, sometimes I think when you're with someone that you're really into, like, you'll you'll try anything. Like, let's go to the, let's go to Costco together. Like, that'd be fun. Like, just hanging out. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what Edward's motives are yet. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that is the case that he's just like, I'm just gonna, like, invite myself on that, and whatever happens, happens. I'm along for the ride. Yeah. So that is the end of chapter four. Did you have any notes that we didn't cover? Um, I don't think so. Let me just take a peek. Oh, I wrote another thing about Edward gaslighting her in this chapter as well. (laughs) We don't really need to go into details on that, because... It's pretty straightforward. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I did cover everything. I do have my notes here for the one um, scene where he's sitting on Tyler's bed. I don't know if you can see the capital letters. Yes, it says in all caps, sits on his bed. <laughs> That's so funny. Not over that. I'm so glad that you noticed it. Because like I said, I was like, yeah, that's weird. Whatever, bopping on. And I'm so glad you yeah. called it up. That was, like, my biggest point that I want to talk about. Like, when we were going into it, I, I remember in the last episode you had said that there was a scene at some point where you ha- there was a meme or something where it was people was sitting hearing Bella and Edward's conversation just, like, in the cafeteria. Like, what are they talking about? I That was what I thought of when that scene was happening. Like, poor Tyler with glass in his arm, like, can I go home? Like, I don't want to be here right now. Yes, that the power of that meme, it is now influencing you and you haven't even seen it. Every conversation they have, I'm like, what would an eavesdropper think of this? Something bizarre. Definitely. I mean, we think it's bizarre. We're basically eavesdropping, if you think about it. That's true. That is true. So do you have any predictions for what will happen next? What are the names of the chapters? Because that helped me last time. Well, I'm going to break your heart a little bit. I have decided for next week we are just going to do chapter five, which is called Blood Type, because chapter six and seven go together really well topically, and chapter five is pretty long, so just chapter five. Okay, Blood Type, obviously this book is about vampires. <laughs> the correlation. Wait, it is? I'm thinking back to the movie, like, what was happening, and I feel like there was a scene where it was, like, high speed, like Bella reading a bunch of books or something, and educating herself. Am I remembering that right? I have no idea what you're talking about. It's it's possible, but that might be a different movie. <laughs> it might be. I don't know. But there's the point where she, like, they're in the forest, and they're, like, standing like this. And he's behind her and talking about, like, say it. Say what I am. Vampire. Like, I feel like this is going to be, like, maybe not him 
revealing that he's a vampire, but her doing research and like maybe being like, hmm, that fits the bill. Like, like it's going to have something to do with the vampire, whether that be him admitting it to her or her coming onto that information. That's what I think is going to happen. Okay. And I want to amend my previous statement. You are right. There is a part where she is looking through. I totally forgot about it. I feel like an asshole now. Yeah, there's a part where she is like Googling, typing, you know, and then she's like looking at all these books. So, yeah. Um, can't confirm or deny if that is what's coming up in this chapter, but I like those predictions. I'm with it. Um, I just want to say I don't want to get into the movie too much, but that posture, I can't with that posture that they have in that scene you were describing. Um, it is just so dis- disturbing. Like if I was on a date, I don't, I don't know if they were on a date because they're in the woods. I don't know if that's considered a date or not, but on with your crush and that's the way he's going to stand behind you. And you really, you think that he's a fucking supernatural being. You're just going to stand there completely straight, not looking at him. Like that just seems like a bad idea. Maybe you have, maybe be prepared to fight, you know? Or look at each other just a little bit. It's just, it's very unnatural to watch. Agreed. I can't wait till we get to that part in the book. um, Because I feel like you're going to lose your your shit. (laughs) It's insane. Okay. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited too. Um, Yeah, this was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, Like we just said, for next week, if you're following along, we're just going to do chapter five, Blood Type. Yeah, so I guess we'll kind of just wrap it up here. So we say it every time, but we'll say it again. We are on all the social medias. So we are on Instagram and Tumblr at Tuesdays are for Twilight. We are on Twitter at Taft Pod. Shout out William Howard Taft. We love you, Willie. And we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And one more time, that website for the organization we were talking about at the beginning, um, Move to Higher Ground, is mthg.org. And we'll throw it up in the episode description, too. But I'm really excited for next week. It's going to be weird covering just one chapter. We'll get to really dive into the, the details of it. So I'm excited. I am, too. Let's freaking do it. All right. We will see you guys next week for Chapter 5 of Twilight. Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram.